I'm Shivani Gupta and welcome to the Ask Shivani podcast. I believe that one of the best presents that you can give yourself is time to be able to sit down and ask yourself some questions. I believe that the quality of the questions that you ask yourself will determine the quality of your life. Welcome to the Ask Shivani podcast. Well, today I have Samantha Nolan-Smith, who is the founder and the CEO of the School of Visibility. Um, She is a self-professed introverted green tea drinking book reading mum of two children. And she's been working a lot longer online than a lot of us since 2008. Uh, After a career, as she calls it, a personality type in law and social justice, she became unfortunately very unwell with chronic fatigue that we'll find out a bit more about. And she couldn't hold down a regular job. It took her four years to recover from that. And she let go of a lot of unhealthy habits and unhealthy values in that particular time. And in the last decade or so, she spent a whole decade building online businesses, founding on wisdom practices and values and really helping people come into alignment and also looking at things and life a lot differently. She's got an academic and professional background in philosophy and public policy and social uh, justice and law. And through her studies, she helps women uh, where they recognise their own worth and feel more confident uh, in sharing their perspectives, build sustainable and successful online businesses, speak about issues that might shift in the conversations in their home and industries, and establish themselves as a new type of leader. Please, it's so lovely to welcome you, um, Sam Nolan-Smith. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Shivani. It's lovely to be here. And Sam, when I read this amazing CV of yours, and you've done so many other things, and obviously you speak about chronic fatigue in your bio, um, and I know that you'll go through that with us, but take us through a bit of your journey. Take us through your high highs and your low lows in terms of what's transformed you into who you are today. Well, I think this, uh, this piece around chronic fatigue was obviously... A, a low low and but it really built off uh some other lower lows <laughs> sometimes I laugh at my own journey uh so you know I I've had PTSD since I was 10 from being assaulted at that time and I didn't know that for a long time I didn't um have a label for it I thought PTSD was only for people who went to war it took me a really long time to understand that actually Uh, many many sexual assault victims suffer from PTSD it took me a long time to realize oh that little bit of drama and chaos that just happened in my life was actually PTSD triggered and and that led to many years from about 15 to about 30 to 35 I had um, depression very serious depression and really there were times where I was really what I call white knuckling it to just stay alive. And I I spent a lot of time hiding that because of the shame of uh, certainly at the time, I mean, I'm a, um, you know, I was born in the seventies. So I didn't have language for a lot of, a lot of the time around even depression. I didn't have language for, first of all. uh, And I just felt I, I kept having language around I just feel like there's something wrong with me but I don't know why and I don't even necessarily know um, that I look around me and I have this beautiful family and I have incredible parents so these were the highs where I had absolute stability in my home life uh, and the things that had happened to me that caused the PTSD happened outside of my home and by strangers and 
so I had this real mix of incredible stability, loving family, really encouraging, supportive home life, but then feeling like um, the world was absolutely unsafe. And, and so all of that spent many, many, many years unraveling all of that. And the chronic fatigue was almost like the depression. I had found a lot of tools by that stage to really uh, overcome a lot of the depression and really uh, address the extremes of the depression. Because if you have had depression, you'll know that you can go along fine for a while. And then when you dip, you can dip so low uh, that it becomes very difficult to interact with people, to go outside, to do, you know, to do anything really just breath was the thing that kept me going then. It was really, I'm grateful for my breath. I'm just grateful to have breath. And gratitude, I, I know that we'll probably talk a bit more about this later, but gratitude and breath were two really key pivotal tools that I used at that time to help me to keep um, going through life and moving through the depression as best I could. I subsequently encountered a lot of therapies, trained as a yoga teacher, et cetera. And, and even though all of that's very heavy, all of those things absolutely opened me up to personal development, to myself in a way that I think perhaps I, I would not have had I had those challenges in my life. It certainly opened me up to greater levels of compassion for all people. And, and it really, I realize now that this piece around stability of, of home and family life was absolutely fundamental. And I feel so, so grateful to uh, have had that and then to have built that myself in my own family life with my husband. And so that was that's absolutely been a sort of a core positive thing that's that's really I feel very, very fortunate for. And then off the back of that, then I was able to have have adventures at the same time. And so, you know, one of my great highlights was uh, becoming crew on a 200-foot tall ship that sailed from Toronto to the Bahamas. And we took eight weeks to do that. And that was just incredible to be out in the ocean with no land anywhere in sight and just, you know, occasional whales or dolphins or it's just it's such a, you know, such an adventurous experience and, and such a beautiful experience. And I think a couple of the other highlights would be absolutely having children. Uh, my I have a girl and a boy and becoming a mother wasn't necessarily something that I, I wasn't a person who grew up saying I absolutely want to become a mum. Uh, and I, I was so aware that I had all of these mental health issues that I needed um, to address. I really put that off a long time because I thought I don't want to, I'm not in a state to be able to take care of other people until I've really got better myself or at least feel like I've, I'm really tooled up. And uh, so I didn't um, meet my husband till my late 30s and then we had two children and really it's been just such a beautiful thing to be a parent at a time where I was ready to be a parent and and excited about being a parent. And then I think the other big highlight for me, um, obviously starting the School of Visibility and running my own business has been an enormous privilege and highlight and I love it so much. And for many years, I worked with Aboriginal communities across, across New South Wales and then I did some work across Australia as a whole. 
And that, as a non-Indigenous woman, has been one of the great privileges of my life. Uh, And so many times I just found myself feeling in awe of different communities and nations and their knowledge and their wisdom and the fact that they were willing to share that with me. I just felt like the luckiest human being on the planet. Wow, that is so beautiful and vulnerably. Um, Thank you for sharing that, Sam. I just really appreciate that. Um, And so you spoke a bit about, you know, the the challenges that come our way. Um, Sometimes people have a process. Sometimes they have a philosophy. Um, You just talked a bit about breath there and that, um, and you talked a little bit about gratitude as well. But and maybe they're not part of your, you know, almost like your tricks in your bag. And so when challenges come your way and you've, you've got some really big ones in there with sexual assault and depression and PTSD, um, talk us through, you know, just do you, how do you kind of go about addressing challenges, whether they're big ones like the ones you just mentioned or whether they're more day-to-day, like how do you go about addressing them and coming across them and getting over them? I think that... It has developed over the years. So so certainly I started, I just was trying to really literally just stay alive and um, get into a place where my head was, it didn't even have to be happy. It just had to be neutral. Like I was trying to find a place of neutrality. And that was when I came across gratitude journaling. And so I just started every day doing, you know, five things I was grateful for. And often I couldn't find five. I could just find a breath. That was it. Or bed, like that's an incredible one, how lack fortunate we are, those of us who are um, have homes of any sort, how I often um, think what a wonderful thing it is to have a bed. And <laughs> so, so I started with those things. I also, I don't even know, first of all, how I came across it, but I started with yoga nidra. And I um, wasn't a practicing yogini at the time. I wasn't. I wasn't aware really much of yoga, but somehow, you know, yoga has always found me. So yoga nidra came into my life, and I started using that, and it was wonderful because my mind was so um, challenged in so many ways, and and it just gave me something to follow. So I could lay down in bed, and I could just follow the voice and follow the thread of it. Because at the time, I definitely couldn't do meditation in the sense of just going into stillness and and being still and my body felt very unsafe and so forth. So so listening to this voice and following the thread of the voice was I was shocked. I remember uh, when I first started doing it, I um, within a within a month, I felt so different in my being that I thought I, I'm just going to keep doing this forever. <laughs> So that was so that was a, a tool that I used early on, but I I continue to use. And if we skip forward, those years of chronic fatigue, really by that time I had been practicing yoga for many years. I had um, become a yoga teacher in my spare time, and really they were the years. Uh, for those who know um, Raja Yoga, Raja Yoga has eight limbs to it. And it wasn't so much that I was practicing asana because I couldn't physically do a lot with my body at that time, but I was practicing pratyahara by virtue of circumstance. And pratyahara pratyahara is sense withdrawal. 
And so what I was learning then through force of circumstance was I couldn't have any light. I couldn't have any sound. I couldn't have any electronics near me. I just had to be completely in a room, in a dark room and just lay there. And I wouldn't recommend this for everybody because it's not great for your mental health, (laughs) but I was already in such a bad place with my mental health. It was actually incredibly healing. And it was hard, first of all, and I resisted a lot. I was trying to get up and I was trying to keep going. And I was, I I still had that push, 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 push in me. And I had a lot of still, my nervous system was still wired quite tight. And um, so I pushed for a lot of time. And then eventually I realized, oh, I'm being invited to let go of all of this. I'm being invited to let go of all the stories that I have about who I am or how I'm supposed to show up in the world. I'm being invited to even let go of being able to do anything. I couldn't do more than go to the bathroom and then come back to bed. And that would be enough. Like that would be really all I could do in a day. And that Pratyahara experience of many, the many years of that really taught me the value one of observing resistance in this in in myself and noticing what the resistance is recognizing that resistance is exhausting and it takes a lot of energy to resist what is and so I became very attuned to my own levels of resistance I then started to meet them and started to have compassion for that resistance that was within And it really taught me about how extraordinarily important it is to be still. And whether that's a formal meditation practice or lots of people will find stillness in in action, say, by going for a walk in nature. And so there's a stillness that comes over the body when you're walking in nature, not when you're kind of walking through a supermarket or a shopping center or whatever. That's very, you know, there's a lot of stimulus there. But when you're walking in nature, there's a stillness that comes with that. And for me now, one of the practices that I do all the time is if I feel like I'm having a very busy week, I will just sit in my garden and I will do nothing. I, 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 might observe and it's not a conscious practice it's just it's just something that evolved organically where I will sit maybe I'll observe the the breeze or the sun or the leaves but I just do a lot of nothing and then it comes it grounds me it brings me back into a place of connection with body and with with earth and with breath again and with emotions and then there's a cohesion to that which then enables brings through creativity brings through clarity and enables me to know what's next steps from here yeah that's beautiful and that probably starts to I was going to ask this question later but you know so part of your wellness and particularly part of your mental wellness is that space so where you actually do nothing or the art of stillness um, because it grounds you And and a lot of I know I've had some meditation teachers I'm currently learning to be a meditation teacher as well and yeah, a lot of those practices about grounding, right? It's not about Sanskrit mantras and make being really complicated. It's just about that grounding aspect. Are there other things that you do, um, Sam, for your wellness and your mental wellness in particular? And sometimes, 
you know, those rituals that exist, uh, you know, sometimes people do things yearly and they go on a retreat. What are some of the other things that you do? So you do your beautiful garden ritual, but what are some of the other things that you do for your wellness and your mental wellness? You know, this one of the things that I am really conscious about doing as a mother is um, I consciously take joy in my children. And that's something that I think that we can we can overlook because you know the days can there can be a lot of activity in the days and there's so much going on for everybody and the very first thing I do every morning is I just spend time and the first thing I say to my children is it's so lovely to see you and I just take joy in their presence in my life and and so I just hug them and I let them know it is wonderful like I want them to know how wonderful it is that they exist. And so we spend the morning very slowly, actually. we start, I used to rush through the mornings and now I'm quite slow in my mornings and all my practices and behaviours and things changed when I got sick. And so we cuddle and we laugh and we, we just don't rush out of um, the slowness of the morning. We, we find a way to to take joy in the moment and then we obviously then we have to get dressed and we have to eat and we have to do all of those things uh, but there's just that very first touch point of look at this what a lovely this isn't it wonderful to be here together in this moment so often family hugs in the bed and you know that kind of thing so that's one thing that I think really starts my day there was a lot there's a lot in the particularly in entrepreneurial spaces uh, about doing you know lots of things that you can do in the mornings to prepare yourself for the day and and I'm sure all of those work because you know there's so many billions of us on the planet that there must be billions of ways to start the day and uh, for me I a lot of those I was having I came to me around the time when I, my kids were very little, like babies and, you know, first couple of years. And I thought this is not practical or realistic for mothers. This is just or parents if the, you know, if the other part if the if there is a partner and and if that partner is engaged. I I remember having many conversations with my husband saying, I can't possibly like meditate for an hour in the morning when my kids are <laughs> No, it's, it's more stressful doing it. <laughs> or I'd be trying to do yoga asana and they'd be climbing all over me and they'd be like. <laughs> so I realized I really have to simplify. And that's another practice that I do a lot is like I, I look for simplicity. And I thought I'm going to have to simplify and just get really boil this down to the essence of what is it that I really need in the morning. And what I knew for myself is what I needed was connection and I needed um, that presence and and some joy. And so that that's a simple practice there. And then I think the other thing that I, the ritual that I have, which is less of a ritual and it's more of it very integrated into my working day, uh, is I continue that practice of noticing when I'm in resistance. And so as I'm working away in my day, if I suddenly notice my body is feeling tight or tense or I'm just in a not in a great space emotionally or something, I don't push through and I don't ignore it, which is what I used to do. 
I used to think, I'll deal with that later. And so then I'd have to, you know, uh, it would build up through the day and then I really would have to deal with it. And and I realised this is not, uh, this is not ideal. This is not optimal. And so now I just stop straight away. And I have different tools that I use. I use Compassion Key, which is a self-compassion technique where I'm giving myself compassion for if I've got emotions coming up and I'm feeling upset or I'm feeling like this isn't working for me. What are, what's going on here? I use Compassion Key. And um, and so you can just say it as like self-compassion. It's just like, I'm so sorry this is happening. I'm so sorry you're feeling like this. I'm so sorry. And I use that to, to help the parts of me that are feeling frustrated or annoyed or agitated to feel seen and heard. One of the things that I've that I share at the School of Visibility and, and that I have learned over the years is how healing it is for us to feel seen and feel heard. And just that simple act of giving that to ourselves, that gift of seeing the wounded part of ourselves or the upset part of ourselves or whatever it is and taking a moment to be with that part of ourselves and send that compassion is something that then enables that part of me to just go oh okay she knows I'm here I'm okay I'm I'm at peace I'm because we're like there's those parts of us are a bit like toddlers we're like we're going to get noisier and noisier and noisier until we're actually heard and you know anybody who's spent time with toddlers knows that the toddler will say mom 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 <laughs> if we don't pay attention to them and so it is with our inner selves and so that's another thing that I do all the time or I do things like um I think I'm just not in flow now. I need a new create. I need some creative input, or or um, I need I need something. And so I live in Canberra in Australia, and um, I'm near some of some beautiful, incredible national art gallery and portrait gallery and so forth. And so I often will just take myself off to the gallery, and I'll just sit amongst the art, and I'll and I'll take in the. I won't ask myself any questions about work. I won't put any pressure on myself about business. I'll just sit amongst creative energy. They have a beautiful sculpture garden out from there. So then I can go out into nature and be in the sculpture garden looking at the lake. And invariably something like that will just, what will happen by letting go will be an idea will come through or a resolution will will appear or there'll be some something that will will clarify for me and then I'll be ready to go again amazing that was gold there was so many things in there I was like oh that's just so amazing so for the listeners that listen that I'm going to rewind that part and be able to do that and I remember I used to get so frustrated when the kids were little too um Sam because you know they'd climb all over me while I'm there trying to hum and do my meditation practice and I remember one of my teachers going well, you know, if you only get three minutes in or you get two lots of three minutes in, then that's the best you can do. Yeah. I want to do more. I want to do more. It's just these little kids are climbing all over me and I don't like it. <laughs> I wish they would behave. And it was just, it would actually be quite stressful leading up to the meditation. Um, there was just all this angst, you know, trying to get to that. So I think what you just shared was so beautiful in terms of being able to do that. Um, Sam, tell us a little bit about future aspirations for yourself, for School of Visibility. Tell us 
you know, where do you want to take it? Do you plan? Do you look out a year, 10 years out? What, what do you see happening in your life, both personally and professionally? I, I mean, personally, I just really want to get my renovation done. So <laughs> we have been renovating. We've been, you know, in the middle of COVID. Well, you know, this part of COVID, I feel like COVID's gone through a few different phases. Uh, this part of COVID where, you know, supply chain issues are, any, are still a big thing. So on a personal level, I really will feel very happy when I when that is complete because I um, having that stable, quiet home is such a big part of my mental health practice. Uh, so, so I have noticed some challenges around that and I really worked, you know, really been working with those I have an incredible partner who is the real he's he's very naturally nurturing he takes care of so many things from um the shopping to the cleaning to the you know he does he really is the machinery that keeps the family going and so one of my big aspirations is just to to continue to to value him to grow our relationship and and just to really always appreciate that support that I have in my life, I find that incredible. And I feel very, very fortunate for it. I think also as a, a mother, you know, every every parent hopes that their children are happy and resilient and, you know, insert whatever adjective you wish there. For me, I, um, I really want my children to be uh, global, globally aware citizens who are aware of their own privileges who are compassionate, who are empathetic human beings, who uh, know how to advocate for injustice, around injustice in the world. So I've, I've set them up, I've done various things to try and support them in, um, in that endeavor and to make them aware of, of some of the um, experiences that they have in the world that other people don't have and what we can do about that. So, so we're a very um, socially justice-minded family and also environmentally conscious family. So we're also a big aspiration for me is what more can we do around uh, climate change and supporting nature and, and really turning things around in that regard. And then for the School of Visibility, I my ambitions are really around, uh, I've worked very intuitively in, in business. So I will often people it's it's I'll often be listening to my body and to guidance that's coming through intuitively around where to take it next but one of the things that's been coming through for a long time is write more publish books and um and do more in the space of of uh shows podcasting that kind of thing and so that they're two of the ways that I see us developing as a company as into more possibly more of a media company over the next 10 years and beyond and and continuing to support the community and and look for partnerships within the community we do a partnership with uh, just peoples just peoples is an organization an ngo that was set up by two of our students to eradicate um with the goal of eradicating poverty globally and obviously that's a huge mission and you know they're one ngo that's working in that space uh, and but their philosophy is very much the kind of philosophy that i um also developed through working with Aboriginal communities, which is locally led, 
solutions uh, to local problems. And so we partner with them. So when we, for each of our um, people that come and study with us, we then donate a portion of those funds to a project, whether it be um, we've donated to many different projects and, um, you know, from uh, sex trafficking to sexual assault survivors to um, entrepreneurial work in many different countries. They work in um, many countries across um, parts of Asia, parts of Africa, etc. And so continuing that work with them, growing that is something that I would like to do. And then um, doing more in support of Aboriginal communities in Australia as well is something that will always be near and dear. And the first for that for me is whatever we can do to support the referendum and implementation of the Uluru Statement of the Heart. Incredible. That is incredible. I feel like I want to speak to you all day um, and would really like to find out more about some of the work that you do around that outside of this podcast as well. And um, so tell us from a school of visibility, from your profiles, what's the best place for people to find you? Uh, so our website's theschoolofvisibility.com and our, uh, we, I spend most of our time so on socials at, on Instagram, which is uh, The School of Visibility. At Facebook, we're at The School of Visibility. We're very consistent with our branding. Uh, and so they're our primary places. We've just started a uh, private podcast for our students, uh, which if you come across to theschoolofvisibility.com, you can find that. You can hear more from me. That's That goes out exclusively to the School of Visibility community. That's called Visibility Matters. And uh, we're gearing up in the next couple of months to release our public podcast, which will be the School of Visibility podcasts. But for now, we're, we're, all the conversation happens on Instagram and all the resources are at theschoolofvisibility.com. That's incredible. Um, such a pleasure speaking to you. Sam, thank you for making the time today. Thank you for having me and thank you for all the incredible work you do in the world. I think this project of yours with this podcast is really so important. I'm Shivani Gupta and you've been listening to the Ask Shivani podcast where I got to ask some questions. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow our Shivani on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. And if you haven't done so, please go to the Apple podcast and subscribe, rate and review this podcast. It would mean a lot. Thank you.